0: This episode of The Energy Pipeline is sponsored by Caterpillar Oil & Gas. Since the 1930s, Caterpillar has manufactured engines for drilling, production, well service, and gas compression. With more than 2,100 dealer locations worldwide, Caterpillar offers customers a dedicated support team to assist with their premier power solutions.
1: The Energy Pipeline is your lifeline to all things oil and gas to drill down deep into the issues impacting our industry. From the frac site to the future of sustainability, hear more about industry issues, tools and resources to streamline and modernize the future of oil and gas. Welcome to the Energy Pipeline.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to part two of our discussion on the circular economy with Peter Evans. I hope if you're listening this week that you already got to enjoy the episode from last week, but I will not keep you guys any longer. I just wanted to welcome you back to another episode of the energy pipeline. Let's get into it. Yeah. And it, it honestly sounds like there can be a lot of money to be made through implementing circular. It's, it's funny because a lot of times we think if we're going to try to be more sustainable or we're trying to do good things for the environment that we are essentially giving up a uh, cash flow that like it, it costs money, but it sounds like if somebody were to come in and they're probably already many companies doing it, but implementing that in between facilitator piece that it could actually be profitable. And it's not always just about, you know, are we doing good for the environment? Because at the end of, the- the day businesses need to make money to sure. grow and actually be able to accomplish things and a lot of thing is a lot of these decisions are hinged on the dollar value so I, I think it is good that this could have the potential to be so profitable not only for the economy but you know for the environment and I, I think that's really cool and personally I think this really is where it overlaps with where we are today of platforms because this isn't something that's just always been around. The internet is like still relatively new in comparison to the oil and gas industry sure. manufacturing. So. I think it's pretty cool that like, we now have this added layer of like the the data analysis, how we can interact with each other. And that's why having you on being a platform expert, I thought was special to this. I don't yeah. have a question. I'm just going
1: on a rant. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'll give you another interesting example, right? Um, you look at um, Southeast Asia right now mm-hmm. um, is gr- growing dramatically. A lot of new vehicles are coming into the marketplace, which is creating more demand for lubricants. But on the back end of that, sixty something like sixty percent of that motor oil, which is a valuable commodity which could be actually reused, is ending up in bunker uh, fuel for marine shipping, mm-hmm. and the reason is is that uh, motor oil has a lower sulfur content than bunker fuel, and these. The marine ships are facing uh, restrictions on going into uh, ports, and so they downblend their bunker fuel with motor oil. So there is a market yep. there, but it's not the right market. Yeah. And so if we could create a marketplace for used lubricants, uh-huh. um, and then what is the marketplace there? It's often the reverse logistics. Mm-hmm. So what you need to do is have a player come in and organize the um, – the pickup of that material, and then create incentives for them to send it to a recycler versus sending it to be burned. Um, So that's a great, because motor oil can be reused. And the reality is we need motor oil to run the modern economy. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely essential for all machinery to have that motor oil. I think the US market is something like a $60 billion market for motor oil. It's a big, big market. And so how do we create a marketplace that would deal with the plastic containers and recycle the motor oil, uh, in a more efficient way? So that's, you know, a great example of how a marketplace could come in and create efficiencies in Mm -hmm. a system and stop some of the kind of practices that are leading to environmental problems.
0: Yeah. Do you have anything on that?
2: How, How do you measure really success? From from circular economy. What do you think is the biggest metric to look at or watch out for?
1: Yeah, so super big picture it would be Um, Right now, the oil and gas industry is creating a lot of value, but it's also creating a lot of externalities, Mm -hmm. right? For the environment, for uh, hazardous wastes that aren't remediated properly, there's a bunch of reasons. So the circular economy, I think, can help reduce the amount of externalities created by the industry and lead to more efficient reuse of the materials that the industry uses on a daily, whether it be machinery, or the products um, that can be reused and recycled. Um, And then if there's a marketplace I think you know the whole point is, is that it makes these things easier. One of the reasons, and you asked me about the barriers, is there's a lot of friction uh, in the system right now mm-hmm. because in, there isn't easy. It's not like Amazon when you want something, <laughs> you can go on, on Amazon and find it and it gets delivered really yeah. quickly. If you could make the circular economy as easy and as frictionless as the linear economy platformed wow then you reduce some of the you know uh, challenges and make it easier for companies to do it
0: yeah I, I heard a, a point this morning on that podcast I mentioned earlier that was saying if you're kind of not willing to adapt like the whole processing of the data for the circular economy and you're like gunho on I want to stick with the way things are, then as a manufacturer, what you should be trying to do is make your product so much better that its life is longer and it is so much further away from having to be recycled. So, whether that's an electronic or it's like a rubber or something that's like intended to be used like a vehicle, like make it last longer.
1: Let's introduce a new idea Okay. So when you go to a circular economy, Uh you actually can potentially change the business model itself. Mm -hmm. So in a linear economy, because you don't pay for externalities, it makes sense to sell something because then you're done. However, if you become responsible through extended producer responsibility laws and, and other forces, suddenly selling something may not make sense. It may make more sense to lease it. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. you're already responsible for taking it back. So you can imagine, Caterpillar going out into the market, you know, in the old days they sold it and then they're done with it. But if they're responsible for taking back the equipment at some point, it may make a whole lot of sense. And so leasing models become a lot more attractive. And you can imagine for batteries, you know, even the mining industry, which typically mine something and then they're done with it, why? Because if lithium can be recycled, why would you ever sell it?
0: Yeah, that's my lithium, it's my baby, I'm gonna hold on to it. It, watch so, it grow. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. So, so what's really interesting is, is that there's new technologies that are needed to make the circular economy work. Yeah. Um, and it can reduce transaction costs and and have these other benefits. But it also changes the way the businesses think about how they make money. Mm-hmm. And so we could see. Um, a shift to more a more circular economy actually causing companies to think more about leasing models and that's, yeah
2: that's that's fascinating. I typically have a, a from my own viewpoint. I look at it from an engineering standpoint. Like oh, think about all the innovation and if you have to make something easier to recycle you have to go back into the design and look yes. at the design teams and get all of those players together too but I didn't even think about that from a sales yeah. perspective though interesting no yeah
1: totally different sales model because um, and then the other way that uh, you can incentivize circular is to create tokens <laughs> um, and pointed. then yeah but but what happens here is is that then the companies get a royalty on mm-hmm. the secondary sales okay so that's really interesting and this is happening in the Apparel industry, so that that incentivizes because one of the pushbacks or resistances is, is that this will cannibalize your new sales mm. if you create a secondary sale, um, and so we know from the history of companies like De Beers, um, they frown upon you reselling your diamonds. Yeah. You know, Even if you get divorced, you should keep it, right? <laughs> Why? Because they want those second. They don't want these diamonds going into the secondary market and depressing prices. Yeah. So, but there's interesting, have so
0: many diamonds, have so many diamonds. no, not, so, not too much of a problem for me personally, but, but I imagine it, it's hard.
1: <laughs> what's interesting is, is there's now marketplaces popping up to refurbish, uh, phones.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there's
1: a company in Europe called Swappy. They've done over a million iPhones and they create a marketplace. So when people have reached end of life or they want to upgrade to another one, they, give it to Swappy, they refurbish it. And it turns out that there are different, there's a market segmentation going on, that the people buying the first generation phone are different from the people buying secondary generation. And even within companies, you can imagine in oil and gas, there are some projects that they're gonna do, they're gonna wanna buy new equipment. Mm -hmm. But there's probably quite a number of projects where they're just fine with having used equipment. Right? It serves the purpose just as well. Yeah. And so the idea that um, a circular economy is always going to cannibalize your primary sales is, is quite questionable because there are these, uh, I guess, differences in buyers and what they buy for.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. Peter, I'm trying to keep you on your mic. If you stay. Sure. <laughs> it's so hard. Like whenever we have multiple people, you want to turn and talk to them. But uh, just just because you know you're saying such good things, I want the listeners to hear you. Sure. Um, okay. So before this, you, as you always do, send us educational information because Peter is a just he's a what's the word for I'm, it? A lifetime scholar. <laughs> <laughs> um, you actually started the conversation by pointing out how Caterpillar is doing a really cool thing in this circular economy. You seem to do a decent amount of research on it. This is a Caterpillar sponsored podcast. So I'd like to shamelessly plug them a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And Lizzie, if you know anything about this program, cause I just chime in at any point, like I'm, I'm so curious to hear what Caterpillar is doing in the circular economy.
1: Well, very simply, if you go and Google Caterpillar and circular economy, you get web pages pop up (laughs) because Caterpillar is actually doing stuff in this area. Um, You know, machinery. it um, has a, a life, and things get broken, mm-hmm. and so uh, Caterpillar has a pretty robust program that's been in place for quite a number of years. I think twenty years or so, I think it's or even, even longer, longer
2: than that for certain components.
1: Yeah. Wow. So um, it has built in a system to take back and repair and refurbish, and in some case totally remanufacture the goods. Um, and so, actually. Caterpillars, the nature of the uh, machinery and the equipment that it produces, it actually lends itself fairly easily Um, compared to some other manufacturers that have a hard time recycling the plastics, for example, single-use plastics. So Caterpillar is actually, and it's probably one of the reasons they launched this program so long ago, is that there was real value to be had there, and customers wanted this and were willing to engage and pay for it. So um, I don't know exactly the volume, um, and I think – you know, what Caterpillar is doing is great. The big issue now is how do we learn from it and mm-hmm. then scale it? And, and make it a larger thing. And then um, would that induce more of the oil and gas industry to turn to these marketplaces to support circularity? I think they're looking for them. The other thing that's really interesting is 20 years ago, carbon wasn't an issue, mm-hmm, <laughs> but yeah. now it is. And it turns out that if we reuse material, the carbon emissions are much lower. Yeah. So the circular economy becomes another vehicle for meeting your carbon reduction goals. And that's really big because what's going to happen is that the low-hanging fruit is going to get, you you know, um, exploited and, and, and uh, taken advantage of. And then the companies are going to struggle to where do we find the next round of carbon reductions. And that can happen through the use of uh, reuse of material.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Even if you don't have to buy new material and you can reuse something or remachine it, you know, remand. Or factory remanufactured products, they're not just lightly repaired, they're received, inspected, cleaned, remanufactured, um, re machined. Um, there's a lot that goes into it to bring it back to, sure. to life. Sure. That saves, if you can reuse a part and you don't have to machine it from just the base um, material, then that yeah. saves yeah. energy so,
1: and- So this is getting into supply chain, mm-hmm. okay? So now this is, it gets really interesting. Sticky. So we know that over the last several years, there've been a lot of disruptions to the global supply chain and mm-hmm. companies like Caterpillar have had a hard time getting the materials that they need. So another benefit of the circular economy is to de-risk your supply chain, which okay. is that instead of just relying on virgin material, in the future, it'll increasingly be a combination of reused material and virgin material. Okay. And so the supply chain system hasn't kind of adjusted completely to that, mm-hmm. partly because there haven't been marketplaces that are deep enough and liquid enough that you can depend upon them. And that's why you need a marketplace because you need lots of buyers and sellers to create that liquidity so you can trust it. If you're just relying on one supplier who's doing a little pet project, mm-hmm. and I'll give you an example of one. BMW has made a corporate commitment to use more recycled plastics. It's done a deal with a company in Norway, which collects fishing nets out of the ocean and then pelletizes them, sends them to BMW's supply chain. And they use um, for the moldings and plastic and Mm -hmm. floor mats and stuff like that, uh, recycled plastics. Um, So you can imagine that's helped differentiate or create more, I guess, uh, differentiation in the supply chain or what some people call resilience yeah. in the supply chain. So I think the oil and gas industry, if you're buying $800 billion worth of stuff every year, mm-hmm. um, you're going <laughs> to want a diversified supply source. And, um, you know, especially if you go into these rare earth metals that are hard to get. Mm-hmm. So that's why there's a lot of interest in uh, recycling the lithium and yeah. things of that nature. No, that makes um, sense. So, But creating that that uh, deeper liquid market um, would help, I think, facilitate confidence on the part of the manufacturers that they can rely on that marketplace to find that material.
0: For sure. And um, a big portion of all this is education and letting people like in on this whole idea of circular economy. Lizzie, not gonna ask you a hard question. Simple one, I (laughs) I swear. Uh, Before us actually bringing up this conversation of having this podcast, were you aware of the Caterpillar Circular Economy program?
2: I I was definitely aware of it. Mm -hmm. I never thought of it as being circular economy. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I think everybody has an understanding of what the circular economy is. Yeah. Reduce, reuse, recycle, 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 recycle. But I just don't know that I had the, the name of circular economy to go with it. Okay. But, yeah, Caterpillar um, remanufacturing has always been a really cool um, program, and it's it's good for our customers, it's good for us, it's good for the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's something that we do like to highlight, and customers ask about it. and
1: Sure.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but when you put is it part of the circular economy? (laughs) Yes, (laughs) but I didn't necessarily think about
1: it like the circular economy
0: until this podcast type deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I like that because I think the point I was getting to was – it may be happening already so much around us. We're just finding like verbiage for it to make Mm -hmm. it a more like centralized idea to where people who aren't doing it have like a word for it. Because I think sometimes like we do so much, but we don't categorize it or we don't have a movement behind it. And we, a lot of times will do things on accident or we just do it because it made sense, but we don't give someone else the opportunity to learn from it because we did not clearly define it. And then kind of like, Uh, Write out the practices and then, like, show how other people could do it. I think Caterpillar is obviously a huge industry leader and influence on many other companies that are similar. So, I'm leading into a question about the educational aspect. Like, when did this even become a topic of discussion? Like, do you remember it coming up? Have you heard of any like uh, community outreach programs or people trying to educate on this idea of circular economy?
1: Oh, yeah. So there's um, been a lot of work um, for the last decade on this idea of circular. And there's quite a number of countries that have adopted circular policies. Mm-hmm. The United Arab Emirates is a most recent one. They've just... Uh, Uh, Annunciated 21 policy initiatives around this. Uh, South Korea um, has as well. France has a pretty robust program, and the European Union has a circular program. So um, there are various initiatives, Mm -hmm. and um, the breadth is very large. So it's important for apparel. It's important for plastics. It's important for electronics. Um, I think what we're talking about is a space that hasn't gotten a lot of attention, which is oil and gas. um, But there's huge potential uh, for it. And I think What I've started to focus on is to distinguish between what I call linear marketplaces and circular marketplaces. Mm -hmm. And so, how can circular marketplaces come into the oil and gas space? And I think we've talked about a a bunch of opportunities, (laughs) right? With carbon sequestration, with reuse of manufacturing goods, um, with uh, surplus material Mm -hmm. um, from big mega projects. There's just a ton of things. And, um, you know, drawing attention is part of. Education to help people realize, oh, this is it. And then, you know, put a little, uh, um, you know, what do you call it encouragement or pressure Mm -hmm. to use these marketplaces so that they grow um, and uh, become utilized by the industry. Yeah. You know, there's another one that that I've heard that the oil and gas industry is looking at is using um, 3D printing for parts manufacturing around Mm -hmm. the world, which is super interesting, Yeah. right? And so I don't know if that's fully circular, but you can imagine maybe the powders or the inputs that they put into Mm -hmm. making those parts could come from recycled materials.
0: A lot of them do. Like I'm obsessed with these reels on Instagram where like this guy will go out and he'll just like collect bottles and then he has this very manual thing where like cut up the bottle and then you like feed the string of plastic from the bottle into the thing that melts it and then it turns it into this like string that you use to feed into your 3D printer. Like... Mm -hmm. People, if they could do it at home, I guarantee manufacturers could figure it
1: out. Can you imagine a marketplace that would allow oil and gas producers to be able to 3D print, which require the architecture which exists to be able to send CAD files Mm -hmm. to places like Angola or Mozambique or wherever they're doing their production, that would save on transportation costs. It would allow them to print those materials on the spot, Mm -hmm. and so they wouldn't have to wait for them to fly in. So there's huge advantages of doing this. But what if we created a marketplace so the feedstock for those powders were made from recycled materials? Well, then you would have kind of what the industry has been talking about a bit, but add in a circular dimension to it.
0: I'm just going to throw it out there. If you are a student or you are a young person or a person considering gaining more skills or going back to school, if you want to be in the oil and gas industry, getting an engineering degree is not the only way. Data is so big right now. Like data analytics, if you want to study something or you want to level up your career, I would highly suggest that because I've seen, you know, from this conversation alone and everything else, like data is so important in sure. making these changes well, and happen. It's,
1: it's going to move to AI increasingly, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. we've had big data and then we had machine learning um, and now we're moving increasingly into, uh, you know, AI applications of this where you put the data in a data lake and the, the AI is able to... Um, Generate it. And so let me give you another example where AI could be very valuable. Mm-hmm. In um, mechanic shops, when um, they change the oil and in the past, and it's still practiced in some places, they have a big vat and they take the use, used motor oil, throw it in there, but they also take the brake fluid and throw it in there. Yeah. And the minute that the stuff gets combined, it has less value. Okay. So if you had a chat bot or some kind of other mechanism that would help with maintaining that sorting and the making sure that these materials are kept separate, mm-hmm. and that's true through all sorts of materials, then the recycling and the reuse becomes much less expensive yeah. uh, and much more viable. So. The there are really interesting ways in which, because it's, it's partly like, yeah, analyzing machines and that thing, but it's also changing people's behavior. And That's so to then you get into, yeah, but there's ways of nudging people and yeah. encouraging them to do the right thing by, you know, alerts, alarms, or just um, Government other Government regulations. Mechanisms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, so anyway, there's, yeah. there's a human component to this and how do we ensure that humans uh, do the right thing in yeah. the right place? So, you know lots of I was just here in Houston for a couple days. And it's different from the rest of the world, because you have a training and safety discussion before every meeting in Houston. Yeah. Um, But that training and safety could incorporate some elements of how do we promote a circular economy? Absolutely.
0: And Uh, Peter, as we're getting to the end of the discussion, I just wanted to ask you, because I kind of skipped over this and got straight to the meat of the conversation. Is there something you can highlight like in what you do today of your company that you work at um, or anything you're doing on the side that relates to circular economy? Of course. In your professional life, like if somebody were to reach out to you and want to ask you about this and they're like, okay... I, I found someone who knows all this stuff. How do I actually utilize him? Because I want to do this with my company. Is, is that something you're like integrated in with? Totally. Can, yeah. So Can you I that for lead us? the
1: strategy practice for a company that specializes in building okay. uh, marketplaces.
0: Is that so the McFadden? Is that what they do? McFadden
1: Digital. Okay. Yeah. So McFadden Digital has been around for 30 years. Okay and um, used to do just Mm e-commerce, which is one company selling uh, a product, right, on their e-commerce sites. And then as we've evolved and gotten more sophisticated, we see more and more marketplaces happening uh, across all sorts of industries. And so um, I advise and my team help to advise companies on what is your marketplace strategy. Okay. Um, we also do technology assessments, and then we have the capability to do the actual implementation. So mm-hmm. we have uh, teams in India and Brazil that will actually do the coding and the customization needed for that. Um, and so I'm quite interested in uh, working with companies that are interested in applying these platform and marketplace principles yeah. to circular activities. So, okay. I've just been in the process of building a database Ooh, to understand the database. where these circular marketplaces are globally, and I'm up to about 110.
0: Okay. And
1: cutting across all sorts of sectors. Mm-hmm. I would say that they're not that many in the oil and gas space, okay. but given what we've discussed today, huge potential mm-hmm. to deploy them there. So, um, very happy to engage anybody on a conversation. In fact, Uh, Tonight, I am going to give a webinar at the Asian Development Bank. Okay. And so um, they're very much into project lending related to promoting the circular economy. But I'd like to kind of have a discussion about would they fund a marketplace, Mm -hmm. for example, on batteries or lubricants or plastics and things of that nature. So uh, yes, huge opportunity to explore how this business model can be deployed to help companies really address these issues in a more efficient way, Mm -hmm. um, kind of a more dynamic way, and leverage all of the things that we talked about, data analytics and new technologies like AI and computer vision that can support
0: Circular. Absolutely. Lizzie, what do you think about that? I I just have to say that this is a
2: fascinating conversation to talk about all of it. And it's a very big picture, too, about like, okay, where could we go? And just to make a comment on, you know, you talked about education, I think it's just important to talk about this and get people thinking because once you design something or you implement something you can it's always hard to go back and redo sure. work you want to get it right and if you can plan for it in the beginning of a project or a business or whatever it is. Well, Mm
1: -hmm. think about this. Let's say that there was a big circular marketplace and uh, you could do a lot of sales by participating in that circular marketplace. That would create incentives Mm -hmm. for companies to design products Mm -hmm. so that they could be sold on that marketplace. (laughs) And I'll give you a concrete example. So right now there's concern that the the OEMs producing automobiles are starting to create battery packs that are very difficult to take apart.
0: Yeah, because it's all the vertical integration. Right? Like, and they're so that means so much there. that
1: they're gonna end up in the landfill. Yeah. However, if they redesign them in such Different. a way that the components can be taken apart more easily, But that happens if, for example, they shift to a leasing model or some sort of uh, secondary royalty sales. And if that happens, then suddenly they have an economic incentive to design it in such a way that it can be decomposed because they make money on those secondary sales or they make money because they've leased that material instead of recycling it. So these things are interconnected. Um, And I guess through the insights that I'm trying to understand and uh, begin to talk about, and thank you for having me, is um, how do we build these systems that create the right incentives across all of them, right? We talked about upstream, we talked about the midstream, but also even the supply chain. So then the supply chain folks are like, in, or another element we actually haven't talked about is is that you can begin to embed the amount of carbon associated with these products. Oh, goodness. Okay, so then when they go to buy material, they see the price, they see the yeah. quality, but they also see the carbon emissions That's related like to really that. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. So then that would incentivize potentially more purchases of these reuse materials, which then would flow upstream to the design of those materials. Right. So these things are all interconnected. Totally. Yeah, yeah. But... Uh, you You know, Caterpillar is a big company. I would love to see, you know, take, again, tremendous lessons learned. You don't want to keep them bottled up just in Caterpillar. They could become the template for, you know, helping uh, the industry overall. And then I'm sure Caterpillar could be a pretty interesting player in joining a larger marketplace that, um, you know, could benefit the oil and gas industry overall.
2: Yeah, we'll have to get you connected with the folks in our Remanufacturing division.
1: Sounds good to me. And connect them with the digital guys. <laughs> that too. You know, because they tend to be over here, and then these guys are over here. Let's bring we them together. Get all the
0: right people? Yeah, yeah it's this hard to do one big circular economy hangout. Wow, well, you don't.
1: You know, big companies tend to operate in these Cilos. silos. Yeah. So how do we bring them together and get that cross fertilization? Mm-hmm you know, typically
0: um, free food and T-shirts. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that'll, that'll do it. If you buy like 20 pizzas, like you'll solve all of the issues right there. <laughs> and then
1: we all know that attracting great talent to the oil and gas industry is a challenge. Mm-hmm. And you put them on projects like this suddenly, um, their whole mindset about the impact that they can have in the careers that they can build totally change. Mm-hmm. In fact um, I wrote a paper if I can make a plug, called preparing, oh, yeah. preparing the Next Generation of Platform Professionals.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so what are the characteristics that you need and what are the skills and training and education you need to be a great platform professional? Um, and there is no one course. There's actually no degree in the world right now for platform professionals. Yeah. You have to sort of assemble that capability um, but if you're interested in that, I, I kind of have some ideas yeah. about how to do that.
0: Yeah. You'll just have to email me all these things we're talking about. I'm going to link it in the show notes for you guys okay. because, yeah, you know, I'm happy to do that. that's where the, the information lives is the show notes. So that's, that's where we always try to like get everything our guest tells us and put it in there so the listeners can have like actionable things. Cause yeah. I know it's, it's very fun to be able to listen to a podcast, feel inspired, and then take that next step. And I hate when I listen to a podcast, and I'm inspired, and there's nothing like, where do, where do I go now? Like, what yeah. what next? Um, so, so I'll, I'll be give perfect. You
1: example, I'm doing a project right now with Dartmouth. Okay. Um, it's a class on platform strategy, mm-hmm. and uh, all the students have to do a project with a company. Yeah. And so I've put in a proposal, I had to pitch it on Monday, um, in which they investigate the viability of a marketplace for batteries. Ooh. Oh, and like so that. one of the, you know, I need them to go out and do interviews. It would mm-hmm. be interesting is to have them interview your battery division to say, mm-hmm. hey, would you. Would,
2: do you have an electronic? Don't have? <laughs> <laughs> what don't you have? <laughs> what don't <I> mean? you have? There's <laughs> a lot of things going on in oil and
0: gas. Yeah, yeah. But what's going to happen
1: is, is that um, heavy duty machinery is going to uh-huh. get electrified.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it already it already. Yeah, is, and yeah. so they
1: need batteries. And so what happens to those end of life batteries? Mm-hmm. Right, And so it'd be really interesting. So I've already set up um, interviews with some of the big recyclers. So um, a company called Red, Redwood Materials mm-hmm. has just raised a billion dollars to build battery factories. It's so a there's a lot of investment money. going into this space, but there needs to be a marketplace to help facilitate the buyers and sellers in exchange.
0: Absolutely. Well, Peter, this has been an absolute pleasure. As always, I am feeling inspired, but also a little tired because I have a lot of ideas running through my head. So, um, guys, let's let's just take a nap and uh, sleep on this get get it going through our heads and let's implement that circular economy Uh, Lizzie anything you want to leave us with Oh, great conversation thanks for coming over Peter. sure
1: my pleasure my pleasure happy to come again
0: amazing well guys thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Energy Pipeline I'm your host Jordan Yates and I'll see you next week bye bye
1: come back next week for another episode of the Energy Pipeline a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network To learn more, go to OGGN.com.